Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling and living around the world. I'm actually here in uh, Quito, Ecuador. We just got in a couple of days ago, traveling around South America. And on this episode, we have the uh, opportunity to interview a fellow Canadian, a fellow traveling connect, a fellow Canadian wanderer. Uh, our guest today is Charmaine Yip. Uh, she's actually from Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada. I'm from Vancouver, BC, Canada. For, so we're both from Canada from different ends of the country. Uh, she's actually lived overseas in many different cities, including Singapore, Hong Kong, Paris, and uh, she's actually back in uh, Toronto at the time of this interview. So we're going to be finding out all about her travels and about her experience living overseas. And for you who are listening and watching, she'll be providing some great tips into living in a country, uh, integrating there, learning the language, and much more. So Charmaine, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to share a little bit more about yourself and your backgrounds. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I am actually from Toronto. Um, I was born here. I grew up here. Um, and then when I graduated, I, I want to travel a little bit. I want to explore my different options. Um, I, I spent my fourth year in Toronto, but my third year I did an exchange um, in Singapore. Um, and I really liked it. So I found more opportunities to, to, to kind of go abroad. Um, and yeah, so I've been teaching abroad for a couple of years. I started in Quebec, um, then I moved to France, um, and then I moved to Hong Kong. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a rough few years. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you, uh, you know, uh, not just uh, visited all these places, but actually lived there and uh, worked there, integrated into the local culture, etc. So I'm curious to know, um, uh, tell us about uh, how do you choose the cities? Uh, so you're from Toronto. How do you choose where you're going to go in terms of uh, living and working overseas? Oh, interesting. Um, so when I was in school, my first travel experience by myself um, was in my third year of university and I chose Singapore. Um, and at that time, it was just kind of like, oh, Singapore is kind of like really far, different. Um, and it's very safe, I guess. So it was a good first destination for me, I think. Um, and then after I graduated one year later, I wanted to leave again. Um, I actually chose Quebec because um, I wanted to learn French. At that time, I didn't know any French. Um, and I found this really good program within Canada that allowed um, Anglophones to teach uh, English in, in a public school in, in, in Quebec. So that's how I got that um, through a teaching program uh, sponsored by the government. Um, so that was really cool. And then when I did that, after I did that, I thought, okay, well, now I know a little bit French, I kind of want to keep working on it. So I moved to Paris <laughs> um, for another year. Um, so that was, yeah, so then I did that and I was like, oh, wow, okay, I'm starting to get somewhere. But I really wanted to be out of like French territory and I, I really wanted a, a switch. So I wanted to move somewhere completely different and I chose Asia um, and I just ended up landing in Hong Kong. <laughs> awesome, sounds great. Uh, so tell us about how do you actually integrate this? It's very different when you're a traveler or a tourist who is just visiting a city or a country for a few days or a few weeks as opposed to someone who's living, uh, working and integrated fully into the culture. So tell us a little bit about that integration process when you go to a new city such as the ones you mentioned um yeah sure um i would say integration is quite difficult um it's i think it was the first time i actually felt like i i understand what an immigrant was like uh what it's like to have language barrier what's it like to have culture barrier uh culture shock um actually feeling like a minority um everywhere you go especially because i'm chinese like it's so obvious um everywhere i go like everyone will look at me and everyone would know i'm rough i'm here 
Um, so yeah, how do you integrate? I think one of the best way to integrate is language skills. Um, and I think that that's one thing that helps because you can speak the language, you can communicate and people will actually feel like you're actually interested in their culture and they're interested and, and they will be interested in, I guess, integrating you a little bit better. Um, that's one thing. Um, but actually that's what I thought when I was in, in, in French territory and when I was in Quebec and France, but I actually speak Cantonese, which is what they speak in Hong Kong. And so I thought it'd be a lot easier when I went there. Um, but I realized that actually, even if you speak the language, it's not as easy as you think. Um, I think it's because I think another thing you have to really understand is also the culture. Um, so I think two things that really matter for integration is uh, understanding the culture and knowing the language. I think those two things uh, really help a lot. But I think if you have these two things, it really helps because people will feel like you, you're actually interested in, in where you are and interested in them. Yeah, I totally agree on those points. I mean, we're currently uh, focused on South America, uh, attempting, l trying to learn Spanish. It's obviously difficult, even though I learned I learned some French from being Canadian. Uh, but um, tell us about uh, how are you learning languages? Because for us, uh, we've tried a few different things, everything from language apps to uh, books to actually doing online classes, even some offline ones. Uh, but still, it's a struggle. Uh, what tools or techniques or strategies have you used to learn uh, French, uh, Chinese, etc.? Yeah, for sure. Um, so in terms of language skills, something I'm still trying to learn and something that I'm still exploring myself a lot. Um, I think one thing that really helps is integration um, and immersion. So going to a class where like if you if you decide to do language school, for example, um, I think going to a class where you have a native speaker who are, who's willing to really push you to only speak that language, that helps a lot. I think um, if your classmates are multilingual and no one speaks the same language, that helps even more, I think, because everyone is forced to speak the language, whatever you guys are. Um, I teach ESL right now and I teach in a multilingual class and I, I noticed that really, really helps because no one is able to speak their own language and, we, and I separate them if they speak the same language. So that's another thing. Um, in terms of like practicing your language and, and learning, um, I think language partners help sometimes is another way to to meet friends when you're in a new city. So whenever I'm in a new city, I always try to to find, like I use some websites and apps and I try to find some people in the city who are interested in learning English. And then I try to meet friends that way and also try to learn, um, learn together and we practice, uh, we take turns. So maybe 20 minutes French, 20 minutes English, um, and then we, we teach each other. Um, so that's really great. Um, and yeah, and just like even like apps, the same thing. Um, like I, the one thing that really helps me to learn a language is that uh, communicating with other people of native language. So like uh, even when I'm not with them or even when they can't meet me, I practice a lot with writing and that helps me boost my confidence because I practice writing and then I have time to like digest my information. I have time to like look up words that I don't know and then I practice writing and that helps me um, to know how to be better uh, fluently to speak. Great tips. Uh, you know, I, I love the idea of the language exchange partner uh, because a lot of locals actually want to learn English and instead of you paying for classes, uh, maybe you can do a culture exchange and a language exchange. And I love the idea of the 20 minutes each or the half an hour each. Yeah. Um, how, how do you actually connect with locals? Uh, because that's obviously one of the other important things, not to stay in your tourist bubble or the expat bubble or the mm -hmm. foreign bubble. 
uh, but it actually to connect with the local people and to make local friends. Uh, any techniques on how you do that effectively? Yeah, sure. Um, so meetup.com is a really good website. Um, I think uh, if you're in a big city, it really helps because you can, um, there's so many different events going on. So just going out to different events or a lot of the local, a lot of the big cities, they have like language exchange meetups already where people want to come out and learn different languages. Um, that's a common one. Um, another one that people don't know as often um, is called Eventbrite, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E.com. Um, it's not used for language exchange, but is usually used for events. So I tend to like look for different events in the city that makes me interested. And that's another way of integration as well as um, even practicing your language, I guess, if you're a little bit more fluent and you can go out to different events um, and get involved in the city. Um, another one I use is called conversationexchange.com. Um, I've used that for many, many years. Um, what they do is that they can locate people by city or uh, they can locate people by city and they can also do like, they have choices. Like they'd be like, oh, are you interested in email, Skype or, or, um, or in person? And then you can choose which city you're looking for the person and what language you're learning. So then you can immediately find someone who's learning English for an exchange for a French native speaker um, in your area. So that's, those are the three things I use a lot when I'm abroad. <laughs> Awesome. I love the last one. I uh, haven't actually used that one yet, conversationexchange.com, but I'm definitely going to look into that one. Um, so obviously, one of the other factors is uh, making money. Um, you know, you can do it on savings where you save up and then you go overseas and then you spend all your money, come back broke and then live with your parents, etc. Uh, I've done that uh, in the past. Uh, but uh, you know, maybe a better strategy is to make money while you're traveling and make money while you're living in a a city you mentioned teaching etc so what are some of the different um, uh, income streams and revenue models you're using to fund your travels and also funding living abroad sure um, my main uh, living strategy is really teaching English uh, which I think is the common one um, but I do believe that like it's a really good one because you you get to learn a lot about the culture like when I'm in the classroom I am um, and with local students, uh, especially when I was working in the public system. So I got to learn a lot about the culture, the people, um, the language, and I got to like see everything. I got to understand even how things work, I guess. Um, so for example, when I was working in the public system, uh, teaching English, then I actually understood, oh, this is how the education system works here. Oh, this is why people behave this way. Oh, this like, you know, this is why students aren't disciplined or they are disciplined or, you know, you, you start understanding the culture a lot more um, because of the interaction. So I think teaching English is a really good one. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people who do working holidays uh, and they work in cafes to practice their language skills. Um, and I think those are all really good options. But I think as a native English speaker, I think teaching English is a really, is a really, is a privilege, I think. I really do think it's a privilege and I do definitely recommend the experience. Yeah, I actually did both of those things. I did uh, working holidays in London, England, and Sydney, Australia, and I actually taught English in uh, Tokyo, Japan, and Osaka, Japan. I'm um, curious to know how you uh, end up getting your teaching jobs. For me, um, when I worked in Tokyo, I was actually uh, hired in Canada, and then uh, I went over there and I had everything set up for me. And then when I moved to Osaka, I actually ended up finding a job myself with Berlitz. I just looked at the local um, teaching classifieds for foreigners, and I was able to find it. How uh, have you uh, found different teaching jobs around the world? Sure. Um, so the first one that I mentioned is specifically for Canadians. Uh, it's called the Odyssey program. 
um, is, is an exchange by the Canadian government that lets Anglophone teach Francophone in a Francophone school and vice versa. So Francophone teaches in Anglophone areas um, in Canada. Um, so that one was, uh, I don't know, I guess it was, it's very widely promoted um, in universities and for, and for young people who, who are interested in teaching. So that's how I found the first one. Um, and then the second one for teaching English in Paris, um, I just really Googled. I just searched teaching assistant in, in France. And the first, and there's only one program, really, that's funded by the government. Um, that's a partnership with different um, countries around the world. So they're bringing native speakers from all over the world to bring them into local French system um, to work with the students. So I was really lucky with that one. Um, and then when I went to Hong Kong, yeah, I got everything sorted out. Um, I, I found uh, the job through my university uh, job board at that time. Um, and yeah, and then they did everything for me. They, I, I did a Skype interview and then they sent me my visa and I just put in my passport and then there I was. <laughs> so yeah, that one was easy. Sounds great. And you're actually documenting a lot of your travels and experiences and giving tips for other people who want to do something similar on your website. It's called thecanadianwanderer.com. Uh, tell us a little bit about the origin story of the website, the blog, and what are the different topics and themes that you're writing about? Sure. Um, so thecanadianwanderer.com was, uh, it was originally started as my own adventures. It was a lot about, you know, what I've seen, what kind of things I've experienced, and, and, and what it was like to live as a minority and, and to deal with all this culture shock and language barrier. Um, and then I recently um, revamped the whole thing, and I, I really wanted it to be a resource um, for travelers who want to live abroad. Um, so I put things about, like, you know, it, uh, like I have an article about, like, about like how can you like live for free like where can you find free accommodations i'm working on another one where you can find like um budget-friendly accommodations um and i i talk about like I, I think a lot of people talk about travel as in something that's a really good experience and i i don't think like i do think it is i absolutely do but i think there's also a lot of things that people don't talk about um, and these are things I do want to talk about. <laughs> um, so I do write articles about, you know, what is it really like to live abroad? You know, it's not, it's not about going on these trips. It's not just about like being in a different city and having these amazing experiences. Yeah, it is. But it's also about like, you know, struggling through day-to-day -day mundane activities. Um, it's also talking about, you know, it's also about like the easiest things that I can't do properly, like going to the grocery store and not being able to read. <laughs> um, so I, I, I try to like bring light to both of that and also provide it as a resource of things that people can do um, to be a better traveler and to live abroad and resources to help them to make that transition. So things like what you mentioned of like, you know, what are different websites that you can learn um, a language? Um, what are the different apps that are available? Um, what kind of accommodation options? Where are the different places people can do? Uh, where people can go? Um, and I've actually also have a series that I'm working on right now where I'm trying to, similar to what you're doing, but basically interview a bunch of people who are working abroad and how are they funding their travels um, and what kind of jobs are they doing to, to, be, a, to be a nomad, to be a freelancer, um, and how are they making a way around the world. 
Great, and uh, you know, uh, in all my interviews, I don't actually uh, get to interview a lot of um, uh, minorities. I'm, you know, uh, people from maybe a Western country who are from ethnic minorities, such as myself, Indian Canadian, or yourself, Chinese Canadian, or African Americans. Uh, why do you feel um, more minorities don't travel? Uh, because I hardly meet any other Chinese Canadians or Indian Canadians or you know other um, you know minorities from Western world. Um, I don't know if you do, but tell us about why do you feel there's so little of them. Why do I feel so little of them? Um, well, when we talk about Asian cultures uh, specifically, um, I think it's because there's a stereo, like there's an expectation um, with Asian parents and Asian families that you know you you need to be a doctor, you need to be a lawyer, and you need to go through this very conventional path. Um, and 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 there's a stereotype about you know what is success? You know, success means being you know having a high paying job, being a lawyer, being a doctor. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why we see less of it, <laughs> um, because like it's is 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 non traditional. Um, so yeah, so I think that's definitely a barrier that I also go through is like you know um, having my family accept the fact that you know I'm actually going abroad and I'm actually um, doing something different and I'm not going to be a doctor and I'm not going to be a lawyer. Um, so yeah, so it, it it is it's more challenging I would say um, for specific communities. Um, because like, I think for more Caucasian families is more like they're more open-minded and, and they're willing to send their kids abroad and it's not a big deal to them. Um, but I think in an Asian culture, um, there is definitely that barrier. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree there. Definitely the parental expectations, the cultural expectations. So I'm curious to know, how did you convince your parents or how have they come to accept your nomadic <laughs> lifestyle? Uh, what did you do? What did you say? How have they accepted it? Um, it's been difficult, <laughs> um, to say the least. Um, so when I first went away from my exchange, like I said, when I went to university, um, that was a real challenge. Like my parents weren't very accepting with the fact, uh, even though it was going on a study exchange, but they probably knew that like, it's not much about studying, it's much about going away. Um, so, so yeah, so I, like it took them a while, um, but like, uh, my, my mom was more accepting than my dad. Um, and she pushed through and so after a few months, like I was doing things in the city and I was really independent. And then after a while, my dad's like, okay, yeah, you can go. So I was like, okay. So then I went on my first exchange, um, and I went for six months in Singapore. And when I came back, they obviously didn't expect me to leave again. <laughs> um, but I don't know, I was just here and then I, I graduated and I didn't know exactly what I want to do at that time and then I just found this um, program going to Quebec and I thought okay yeah that's cool and I was still in the country so they were okay yeah sure you go for a year and you come back um but while I was there I was just like I just applied to France <laughs> um so that came as a little bit of a shock I guess um but I I I, I just yeah, I just settled everything myself, and I just said, "Oh, you know what? I'm I'm leaving, and I'm gonna go." And 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 yeah, I think just I think we just slowly accepted that they don't really like it's really my life, and that I I'm really taking charge of um of what I want to do, and and that they've been really uh, accepting of it over time. Yeah, I definitely think at the end of the day, parents want your, their kids to be happy and uh, successful and, uh, you know, um, uh, fulfilled. Uh, so as long as they see that in you, I think they're, they're, they're definitely going to accept it. So good on you for uh, taking the plunge and traveling around the world. 
Uh, any advice or tips that you would give to someone who's maybe watching this interview or listening to it and uh, is thinking of traveling, but they have all the fears, the apprehensions, the self-doubt, maybe the parental barriers, the cultural mm -hmm. barriers. Uh, what advice would you give to that person who's listening or watching right now, Charmaine? Um, I don't know. I would say, like, just do it. Like, there will be a lot of uh, uncertainties and there will be a lot of difficulties that you might not expect to encounter, but you might anyways. Um, I don't know. I mean, like what they say, right? Like when life gives you lemons, <laughs> just make lemonade. <laughs> um, and I think I've been through a lot, like living abroad, like my living abroad experience is not like most people has been a real struggle and it's been really tough, but I, I still don't regret any of it. I really do think that it, like living abroad, going to a different culture, um, traveling really opens your eyes to different things and I think it makes you an open-minded person in the end so if if you're willing if you're willing to expand your horizon if you're willing to take the risk um, yeah I would say just go for it I you don't know what would happen it might be the best thing it might be the worst thing but at least you know you've tried Awesome, and uh, you know, good on you for uh, uh, doing it yourself and now inspiring others. So I'm curious to know about your vision forward. Uh, you've lived in uh, North America, Europe, different parts of Asia. You're back in Toronto uh, uh, temporarily here. Uh, tell us about your vision forward in terms of your life, your business, your travels in the next few months, years, and beyond. <laughs> um, I'm still figuring it out. I mean, I've, I've worked mostly in teaching ESL, um, but I think because I've taught in ESL and I've worked in other countries I've gained a lot of experiences working with international students um, so my vision is to I, I want to move back to Toronto um, actually um, but I also envision that I want to work in a study abroad or some kind of university um, or college program where I could help these students transition in similar experiences um, I think I would be very interested in working for a study abroad organization where I help students to go abroad or whether they're coming to Canada. And I think that kind of international experience, um, I would definitely want to experience it in my own hometown. <laughs> Sounds great, Charmaine. So uh, if people wanted to connect with you, read your blog posts, follow you on social media, get inspired to travel as you have, uh, what's your website and social media? How can people reach you? Sure. Um, so my website is uh, www.thecanadianwonder.com um, and my Twitter is Canadian Wonder. Um, so yeah, if you just go to thecanadianwonder.com, actually you can find all my social links there. Um, definitely do send me a message and let me know if you guys need any tips or advice. Um, I'll greatly, I'll gladly reply. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time. You're definitely super inspiring what you're doing and continue to do. Uh, wishing you the best as you uh, reintegrate into life into Toronto. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Uh, you know, definitely reach out to Charmaine. Once again, her website's called thecanadianwanderer.com, the Canadian Wanderer. Not wanderer, but wanderer, like traveler. Uh, so make sure you definitely connect with Charmaine. And, uh, you know, if Charmaine can do it as a Chinese-Canadian traveling around the world, living and working overseas, if I can do it as an Indo-Canadian uh, traveling and working around the seas, so can you. Uh, so it is possible uh, to make your travel dreams come true. Um, so make sure you reach out to people like ourselves or any of our other 250 plus guests. Uh, we love in interviewing people to show um, others who haven't uh, left their home country that it is possible to make money while traveling.
Well, thank you for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and iTunes and uh, join our Facebook group, uh, Digital Nomad Mastery. And we'll catch you in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.